0: My name is Holly Canine, and this is Dialing In with Habitus. Melanie Bale-Smith is the founder and director of Bale Architecture. She's also no stranger to Habitus, having had Doolsey in House published in Issue 39, Blackwood Rest recently live on Habitus Living, and joining us not too long ago for our In Conversation with series. Before founding Bale Architecture in 2012, Melanie had spent 10 years in partnership with another architect running a previous practice. That means that for almost all of her professional life, she has not only been a practicing architect, but also a business owner and people manager. It comes as no surprise when she concedes that throughout her degree, she always wanted to work for herself. Melanie mentors, lectures and works tirelessly to improve educational standards. This year, she was appointed to the role of Associate Professor at UNSW, Faculty of Built Environment Architecture, having taught at the UTS School of Architecture for 12 years where she was a jump professor. How does she do it all? Well, that's another conversation. Today, Melanie has graciously dialed in with Habitus to give a different insight. Having run businesses for nearly two decades, Melanie has no doubt had some ups and downs and sideways steps. While it may feel like nothing can compare to what we're going through today, past experience has certainly strengthened her resilience and adaptability muscles, and she is only too happy to share her learnings. Let's get into it with Melanie Balesmith. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you for your time today and for dialling in with Habitus. Um, no problem. I'd love to start by hearing in your own words a little bit about your practice, Bale Architecture, and uh, I guess your journey with architecture so far.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, so um, my name is Melanie Bales-Smith, uh and I'm the director and owner of Bale Architecture. We're a small practice in Sydney. We're based on the north side uh, and have been here for around just over eight years. Um, Prior to that, I had another practice with a business partner and we had an office in Newcastle and Sydney. And I had that practice for around about 10 years. I've been running my own show, I guess you could say, for almost 18 years which is a long time yeah uh, pretty much as long as I've been registered as an architect um, and as I was saying to my students earlier today in a lecture I was giving them having my own practice was something I always wanted to do and I think that's because I enjoy the autonomy mm. of managing my time and my interests and what I do and it's allowed me to be involved in lots of different lots of different things yeah. um, outside of The practice itself, Um, of course, the practice is core to what I do and, and it's really important to me and, you know, we believe very strongly that our homes and schools, places of gathering, community buildings are really the glue that, you know, brings meaning to people's lives on an everyday basis and I think people are really experiencing that even more so both through the loss of being able to send children to school and how much that is really a glue that keeps our society together. Uh, But also that everyone's spending an inordinate amount of time in their homes, far more than they possibly ever envisaged. And I think even more so kind of the beliefs that we have around what architecture contributes, I think, are being reinforced by our current situation.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) I completely agree. And I think there's a lot of feedback around that. I guess having run a business in you know, two different forms for so many years, have, do you feel like you've learned anything um, or you've had any similar occurrences in that time that have set you up for disruptions such as we're seeing now and I'm sure many more to come?
1: Yeah, I think, I think over time I've learnt about what's really important for the practice to keep functioning uh-huh. and what things can you sort of press the pause button on and what things, you know, you really do need to be doing. So I think it'd be very tempting to press the pause button on things like photography and marketing and capturing our recently completed work because of the expense and the time involved but actually now is the time that we really need to be doing that that work and finding a way to do it which is difficult when it's people's homes and you know we've got isolation going on and that's a bit of a challenge um but you know being creative around that is and thinking about um how we're marketing the practices is super important. I think the other thing is um, I certainly experienced the GFC. Yeah. And I actually think we did a really great job of of getting through quite a difficult period after that where other practices lost all their work because they'd had clients who funded their projects in particular ways, you know, potentially because they've worked in the financial sector who had just completely lost everything. Um, Because we sort of have always had a scale of projects, we have some very small projects through to multi-million dollar houses and we do education projects. Because we'd started to uh, diversify at that time, we were able to weather it, I think, more so than other practices and we never lost more than one staff member because of that um, slowdown that occurred. So I think I've learned the lessons around diversifying and not yeah. just diversity across typologies, but actually taking on a range of different clients within our residential typologies where we've done lots of different types of projects. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I think understanding a business and what it takes to run the business and where the costs are. Very quickly, you can identify what you can say goodbye to for a while. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, unfortunately, I do think that this current crisis is probably, unfortunately, bringing to attention for many business owners in the in the creative industries perhaps the weaknesses in their business models. Yeah. Um, and maybe making some people pay attention to their business in a way that they've never had to before. And that's not a very nice thing <laughs> to be happening. But. <laughs> I'd like to think that maybe that's a good thing. It might make us a better, stronger um, profession with a better sense of what we're about and where our value lies when we get to the other side of sort of the current situation.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's making a lot of people, as you say, look at their businesses in ways that they haven't before. And hopefully from that, you would um, you would think that maybe there are some takeaways and some lessons that we can learn. And I think it's quite interesting uh, that you mentioned the need not to press pause on marketing and promoting the business and documenting projects that you're finishing. For anyone who is surprised to hear that, why to your mind is that so important
1: to continue with? Well, I think that, uh, again, this situation isn't going to go forever. No. Um, <laughs> I think people are actually uh, – people have slowed down. Their pace of life has slowed down. They are paying more attention to things that are out there. Um, if they're interested in doing a project, they are actually paying more attention. And we, we put out a newsletter a couple of weeks ago. We normally have a monthly newsletter Mm-hmm. And um, the response to that newsletter was off the charts. The engagement was amazing, you know, especially when we first set the newsletter. And I, and I had said to the person who we've been working with on our comms um, recently, I said, look, we need to make this something that, that people will feel an affinity to. So we called it At Home with Bail Architecture. Mm-hmm. I felt that that was kind of tapping into the fact that, at particularly at that point, we were all kind of like, okay, we're all going to stay at home. But also to kind of say, you should feel at home with us, you know. So it's it's using the language in a really positive way and in a reaffirming way and sending out a newsletter where we were determined not to make the current situation the first thing that people read, but we still addressed it at the end of the newsletter and made mm-hmm. sure we had current stories and stories which reflected that projects are continuing, that things are continuing to happen mm-hmm. and just reinforcing the fact that we need to have a positive outlook and goals to focus on that's part of what will drive us through um, flattening the curve and, and getting to a point where we can, we can perhaps work in a, more, in a way that we're more accustomed. I'm not sure if we'll ever go back to how we worked previously. I, I'm not sure of that. Uh, and whatever we determine as normal, I think everyone's normal is different anyway. Yes, but I yeah. guess, yeah, something that looks more like what we were doing before, I think it's important to be positive and say, well, we're, people still want to build they still want to build community projects we still will have needs in all these different realms of our life and mm. that's kind of what we wanted to convey and it was really successful so I think having strong comms that can really fit with where people are at and not be like everything else that's around you I think is really super important that's why that has to keep happening you know.
0: So what have the changes for Bale Architecture, I guess maybe what were the working arrangements like prior to COVID-19 and in what ways have they changed and in what ways have they stayed the same?
1: So we, we have a pretty generous studio space where we, where we work and so for a while we, we were all continuing to work here because we can actually socially distance in our office very easily um, and, and we're very, very fortunate. One of our team is on maternity leave at the moment so that's kind of also relieved the space a little bit just because she's not um, returning for a little while. Yeah. And so, um, so we've always worked in the, the studio. I mean, of course, I do work at home at different times but generally we're in the studio So a few weeks ago, we made the decision that we would allow everyone to work remotely and we sort of changed a bit of our tech setup and our software setup and some people took computers home and extra monitors home and and whatever it took to kind of be able to mimic as closely as possible, certainly the the workflow, the things that facilitate our workflow, such as technology. Hmm. Um, And so we've done that. But because there are different needs for coming back to the office for different projects and working on different things, and whilst we've been doing lots of meetings with clients on Zoom, some clients have wanted to come here, and so we're just, again, we're practising sensible yep. social distancing. It's allowed us to keep as best as possible um, the office culture and the studio culture, whilst it is certainly an, an augmented or altered way of, <laughs> of relating to oh, <laughs> Yeah, so, we, so every day we have, we have a Zoom meeting called the Daily Bail, and um, and that's sort of half an hour to check in all together on what we're doing, how things are going, chat about home life, challenges that people are having, yeah. things that they've been doing, funny stuff, the kind of banter and conversation we would normally have when we're all together. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, individual stuff that um, team members are talking with each other on the phone and zoom meetings and emails about projects so it's in a way it's actually very similar to how we would operate anyway which is communicating through different channels in different ways and we have a whatsapp group called mm-hmm. group bail broadcasting and that's been getting a bit of a workout <laughs> including with some pretty funny memes and <laughs> gifs and you know all sorts of things which you know there's just seems to be a never-ending stream of out there at the moment yeah. So that, that's kind of how we're rolling at present. And I think it's, I think by and large, it's not perfect and it's not as fun as us all being here all the time. And mm. we certainly lost our Friday burger lunches. and yeah. beers. But these are the things that hopefully will come back in the future.
0: Exactly. So. I think it's just a, um, a time of making do. You mentioned that a lot of businesses will operate differently in the future. How do you mm. think you might operate differently?
1: I think that I'll probably be more open to people working from home if it makes sense from the point of view of travel. Yeah. So, certainly, you know, some of my team, you know, they might go to a site meeting and if the site meeting's not far from where they live, they're kind of going home after that and then doing the rest of their day at home doing their site meeting notes and project items and those sorts of things and I think you know there's there's some real common sense stuff there that we could Mm -hmm. actually eliminate a bit of stress and travel where it makes sense and I think I've seen that we can do this kind of in a more continuous way and so I Mm -hmm. think those sorts of decisions that I may have been quite reticent about in the past I think I'm going to be much more open (laughs) to that, that flexibility and I mean we've always we've had lots of different ways for people to work in the past from the point of view of being part-time and working uh, in different ways but I think this is on another another level and it certainly involves a lot of trust and involves a lot of communication but I think if you invest in that then people will do well and they will do their work because they want to
0: yeah I think yeah it's an interesting point and it's almost like on a system of, of you know you want to do well because people are trusting you how are you balancing trusting your employees but then also making sure work's getting done and then how are you managing keeping in touch with everyone and and you know your team between themselves as well without overloading each other with uh, catch-ups or team meetings and and that sort of thing because it is definitely a fine balance
1: yeah well i think that's why we've made sure that our daily bail catch-up mm. um the half an hour meeting is never never really longer than that half an hour because we don't want to have endless meetings for meeting's Mm. sake. You know, I think that's quite counterproductive actually. Mm. And I think if it becomes quite obvious after 15 minutes that it's much better that, you know, Andy sits down with, Bill and Brad and talks through some markups, you know, on a different meeting or on a phone call, then that's what they should do. So, again, it's about timely, meaningful kind of meetings, regardless of whether that's in person or over the phone or um, over Zoom. You know, I think always it's applying that common sense of do I need a meeting? Yeah. (laughs) That old old sort of matrix of do we have to have a meeting for this, you know, and I think there's been a lot of over communication in the last, six weeks particularly just in general you know whether it's with your friends family there's a lot of misinformation going around so we want to make sure that in the practice we're not succumbing to that over over communication, but that communication is meaningful and it's timely and it's purposeful, and people know why they're doing it. And sort of again, managing deadlines the way we would in the office if we were all sitting here, mm. just doing it with different medium. I guess you know, if yeah, that makes sense.
0: Definitely. And and how does that extend to clients and also you know collaborators and contractors and suppliers? How are you keeping in touch with them and and sort of continuing projects without being accessible without taking
1: up too much time either? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think what has come out of the last few weeks is that I think generally we've been a lot more nimble than, say, some of our consultants. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that's engineers or other consultants on our projects, and, and I'm not sure why. It's not that they don't know how to operate Zoom. <laughs> it's more, it's more that I think because we're very used to meeting and discussing lots of ideas with clients, and and, and because we're often the one who's having lots of different conversations with people. I think they're not necessarily used to the level of communication or the demands of the communication that zoom places on people.
0: Right. Yeah. Um,
1: I'm just using Zoom as an example, but, you know, video conferencing. I think another thing is that I just, I mean, my old maxim, which is just get on the damn phone. You know, I get really sick of emails and sometimes I just think, just get on the phone and ring them. You know, you can probably save 10 emails if you just get on the phone. So I I think that we've had to, um, in resolving a few design matters, we've really just had to get on the phone with reps and with consultants and just nut through things um, using a combination of emails and phone calls sometimes. Sometimes that's been more timely than constantly jumping on the video conferencing, it can just be really inconvenient to actually expect people to be talking with you face-to-face all the time. On camera, yeah. (laughs) yeah. And I'm sure you've experienced that. And and I've kind of got off, like yesterday I had seven hours of video conferencing and I just thought this is nuts. Like I would never put myself through seven hours of meetings because I probably physically couldn't get to all those meetings. Why am I suddenly bogging myself down? And it's because, you know, you can be literally sat at your computer and just move from one thing to the other because you aren't having to move through physical space. And so Mm. this is one of the things that I really look forward to returning, (laughs) not because I love meetings, but just being able to measure them out a little bit, that you're not uh, on tap, because people know you're sitting at your computer, there's a strong likelihood that you're going to be sitting at your computer. So yeah, but again, it comes back to the effective communication, really underpinning everything we do, Mm. and reminding ourselves of that, even in spite of the unusual circumstances we find ourselves in.
0: Yeah, I guess we touched on this a little bit earlier but I think it's a nice point to kind of conclude on and that is what are the lessons that you feel like you're learning for your own practice and what do you hope the industry uh, or even the country will
1: take away from this experience? I think what we've already seen and I think what we're going to see even more so is that we are very adaptable creatures. And when the pressure's on, we are capable of doing things and changing the way, uh, changing norms very quickly to try and preserve the things that are most important to us. Now, obviously, that's been extremely difficult for our arts sector. As some people know, I'm also a musician. I have many friends, many, many friends who work in music and theatre and drama and production and film and whatever. And they are just in a world of pain and I I think it's very hard for them to find there's quite limited ways for them to pivot to use that term that's being Mm. used a lot but I do think it shows that we have resilience that we can change the way we do things and that that maybe we should you know especially in architecture as creative professionals but also that we're in professional services Mm. that we can alter or change the way that we deliver our services and we can do it convincingly and we can get a, a great response from our clients and we don't have to necessarily do every meeting in person and I think that's that's been really helpful because we have in the past had clients who've been overseas for periods of time during their projects so we've done video conferencing and Mm. managed meetings but I think having to do it more frequently and doing presentations it forces you to think you know you can't rely on other things you might rely on when you're in person and it becomes a little bit of a performance and also you have to be more organized you you can't just duck out of the room every five seconds and grab that drawing you forgot Mm. You know, we're finding that when we're having design presentations, we're sometimes sending clients drawings or information before the meeting. So they've got a chance to familiarise themselves so that the meeting can be as productive and useful for them as possible, that they don't feel lost in that, um, I guess, the filtering that happens when we're on each side of a screen. There is a bit of a loss of the body language and the physical contact and the you know yeah. the feeling in the space and, and all those things that make a meeting what it is. It's making us probably more efficient, actually, in some ways. I think the other thing is, is that we have found working with different clients that uh, one of our clients has been immunocompromised and being able to have the meetings remotely for her has been the relief of a lot of stress. And you sort of go, well, this is interesting. You know, mm-hmm. maybe we need to talk with clients more about, you know, would you be able to participate in meetings more if we did some of them remotely and some of them in the office and some of them, you know what I mean? And so it's getting into, again, it's, the disruption is getting us to think in a way where maybe we'll be able to serve our clients better. And for us, in my practice, where, you know, how we relate to our clients and how we um, serve our clients through not just great design and amazing built outcomes, but in the process of finding and making architecture, if that can be a process which they feel welcome and comfortable in, and if that means doing some things in a different way, well, then to me, that's always going to be the best outcome
0: yeah i agree in a few short weeks we've already seen some interesting changes and some interesting takeaways that people are already planning to bring back once we're back to whatever normal will look like but
1: you know it's interesting
0: yeah. to see I'm, I'm sure many more will develop as we sit through this a little bit longer so interesting to see what they will be melanie thank you so much for your time this afternoon and including us on your daily bail. i appreciate it <laughs> it's
1: been lovely to chat with you holly
0: thanks melanie My name is Holly Kaneen, that was Dialing In with Habitus, and you can read more about architecture, design, and the creative community at habitusliving.com.au or by following Habitus Living on Instagram. A link to both of those and more in the episode notes.